from The Thirteen Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. This is a warning to all living mortals that whom should ever open this chest of demons will release thirteen of the most terrifying ghosts upon the face of the earth. <sighs> Only you could return the demons to the chest. Oh, man, why us? Because you let them out. This is Gothic. The Gothic Podcast is a horror and humor audio drama. As such, it may contain material and language not suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. We're lucky to be recording because it's so bloody hot here. Not where Richard is, but where the rest of us are. It's 94 yesterday and 91 today. Mm -hmm. And I was late to the recording session and got hot because I didn't, uh, I miss calculated the sort I'm looking for viability of going to Oregon City at rush hour. Oh yeah. In order to get Sharon's vacuum sealed salmon bits. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much. But I'm I so did excited. it. I sat in traffic <laughs> on my motorcycle and and toasted in order to get your salmon bits. I'm gonna tip you <laughs> for my salmon bits. So yeah, so we already out here have had our first forest fires of the season. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if anything here will ever burn. It's been raining for so long. Yeah, they Missouri has taken our weather. Yeah, dog gun at Missouri. Give like, us our we weather. We really back. haven't had a spring yet. It, it it's just been raining so much that like getting outside has been next to impossible. It's so weird. And faithful sojourners, if only you could see Jesse now. Um, sweltering in his studio because he can't have the fan on because that would be too noisy for the recording session. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's see. I believe that uh, some of our inheritors, a newly reunified Carl, but in a slightly more spry self, along with Jason and Skeen, are in the depths of Fog Mountain, having found a hatch of some sort, and now are looking at a giant rolling eye, while back down at the Kane Manor House, Gigi and Allison have encountered William freaking Kitteridge in a, some sort of weird shadow monster form inside of which is also his brother Kit Kitteridge, as well as uh, his own Dobermans and some other figures uh, that keep trying to claw their way out. So yeah, we left our inheritors on Elk Island in pretty dire straits. <laughs> We're doing great! And uh, just to remind the uh, listeners, dear sojourners that they are, of uh, how dire the straits are, uh, how's everybody's survival points looking? Uh, yeah, Jason's at a two. Just peachy. I'm also at a two. Why did you use uh, plural? Wait, what? Uh, he said survival points. Oh, oh, oh. right. <laughs> I'm, I'm not understanding. I, I, there's no, seems to be no need for that. <laughs> Just the one. It gets Just me by. That's a good yeah. question, but, actually. But the one I have looks great. <laughs> Does, a fantastic looking point well i know like uh carl originally carl the elder didn't originally have very many survival points are you like able to go up higher than older carl did no. i mean it's not come up yet so i don't know oh, okay <laughs> <laughs> younger carl actually started with five survival points oh nice yeah patrick's been beating them out of me uh with abandon <laughs> And both tension points and tension level are at 12, which means I can be spending tension oh, no. points on anything. Dun, dun, dun. 
murder. <laughs> Not just identify, obscure, and pursue escape. Oh, dear. So things don't look good here at uh, what is going to be episode number 40 of the Gothic Podcast Whoa. and episode number 13 of the season. Lucky number 13. If you roll 13s in episode 13, then... <laughs> you get the double whammy. <laughs> I always have that argument of hotels that don't have a 13th floor or they don't label it as such. Yeah. So I'm like, but it's still the 13th floor. You don't get to change how math works. Like <laughs> numerals don't get altered. You're just labeling it different. That's a great question, though. Like, do supernatural entities, like care if it's like mathematically the 13th floor or did they just care if you call it floor number 13 well if you want to take that into account how many basement levels are we counting oh there we go well here's the thing and it's something that isn't well known but every hotel every skyscraper has a level 13 but no stairs stop there and no elevator opens its doors onto that floor I hate that, that. That's where they bury all the dead <laughs> construction workers that were working on it. <laughs> Just one whole floor of concrete. Oh. Skeletons. Now we need to do a whole season called Level 13. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe we can make up our own game system. And thus an idea was born. <laughs> That's what our the whole rest of this episode is. Okay, let's play. Um, let's start actually with... Um, let's start with... Carl and Jason and Skeen. Okay, I gotta sit differently if we're getting into this right away. I know, right? (laughs) And so, here's the thing. You guys have just opened this hatch, and there's (sighs) this giant eye behind it, and it's rolling around, twitching a little bit, and you are overwhelmed with what can only really be called memories. You are flooded with memories of something so vast and so powerful that you are mentally blasted by it. I need you, good characters all, to make an escape check. Come on, dice. Oh, I gotta get my lucky ring on. Carl has a 21. Dang, Carl. Oh. Damn it. Uh-oh. Okay. Um, I rolled a 13, but <gasps> that gives me a 19. It is a success. Okay. However. Oh, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Let's start this off right. Yeah. You've done the worst thing, Jesse. I'm kidding. I don't actually know that. The tension goes up by one. Oh, dear. To 13. To 13. <laughs> this is going to be a theme. <laughs> you, Jason, and you, Carl, find yourselves. In the snow, on the side of Fog Mountain, trees all around, although you do see through the trees, the the parking lot outside of the fence of the weather station and cell phone tower area, and you only have vague memories of your own of what happened down there in the cave. And Jason, you just happened, you looked down at your watch and... As far as you can tell, you have just lost two hours. Oh, wow. So Carl tries to move and get up, but uh, he forgets that he's not old anymore. So he's (laughs) like, you know, trying to really move himself around very carefully. uh, And then it suddenly occurs to him that, hey, wait, I can just kind of sit up. And (laughs) that was my question. How many, how many, how much of those memories that came flooding in are we really uh, comprehending at this point in time? You just have that sense of what I just, what I told you before you suddenly found yourselves in the snow. Okay. Um, I'm looking around at Carl and did Skeen make it with us? You don't see Skeen anywhere nearby. No! Oh, no, not Skeen. Don't hurt our favorite NPCs. Skeen! Somewhere, somewhere lower down on the mountain, uh, Allison goes, hey! (laughs) I said favorite NPCs, plural. So yeah, Jason starts, you know, and looks at Carl. Carl, you okay? Skeen? Skeen? I think, where's, yes, where's, where's the other, where's the other one? Skeen! 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 (laughs) 
Your only answer is cold breezes that blow through the trees and cause the upper the upper branches to sway and creak. What do you remember, Carl? I ooh, a little dizzy, but I, there was there was a a, a presence. It, I, I that's really all I remember. There was there was the eye and the presence and the okay. I'm glad you said eye because I was gonna try and like slowly lean into it and be like um. So did you get the feeling you were being watched? <laughs> but you said straight up eye. So um, what is going on? It's what it looked like, but I I can't tell. Were we seeing that, or are we just trying to comprehend it? How did we get out here, and what's happened to Ski? Actually, I want to look around. Like, do we see, like, tracks of any sort? Like, did we walk here? Did it look like maybe we were thrown here? Uh, you know, it's snowy. Do we see any indication? Uh, good question. Go ahead and... Uh, what, what do you think would be a good role for this one? Something like identify or yeah, pursue? identify seems about right. Speaking of which, um, the roll tracker... How did that work since we both rolled it last time? Um, truth. Uh, da, 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 da. You rolled last, Jesse? Yeah, I did roll just after. Okay. All right, let's see. What have I got here? I have a 17 on identify. You actually find tracks that lead from where you... This churned up light dusting of snow, but still churned up, to uh, back up to the parking lot and the fence. So it looks like we walked here. Yeah. Uh, there are drops of blood as well. Uh, are any of us bleeding? I'll kind of look around at myself. And... Wait, there are drops of blood? Mm-hmm. Red spots on the white snow. Same direction that they're coming from, though. It isn't hard to find the source of that. Your hand, Jason, is got blood on it. Um, I think it might be me. Um, and I start trying to, like grab up some snow and, like, try and wipe it down to see if I can find, like, the cut or the problem. Sure, sure. Uh, you do so. Um, you don't find any cut. I don't think I'm the one that's bleeding. Uh, uh let me, let me have a look at that. Um, and I kind of want to look at and then see, we don't see a wound, um, you know, kind of look at that. I've had some experience with combat. Uh, you know, does, does this look like, you know, is it on the knuckles? Was he punching somebody? Uh, does it look like it was just poured on? You know what? See if I can kind of discern maybe what happened or All where right. the blood came from. I am going to roll obscure against your identify. What do we roll for this game? 2d10, right? Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> okay. What is your identify? Uh, you need a 17. Okay. Yeah, no, this, um, it, it looks like he was. I don't know how quite to describe it, but it, it's it's more like a um, splatter or a splash. It just wound up on his hand, possibly. Yeah. Well, I, I hope that doesn't bode ill for our our missing friend. Yeah, like I said, as I'm still like using the snow to kind of scrub off all the blood, I don't think it's mine, but I don't know whose it is. And I look back up towards the um, the weather station. Um, should we go back? <laughs> My gut says yes, but how how will the outcome be any different this time? The the gate in the fence is still open from where you left it as such. Let's start walking that way and maybe an idea will come to us. Okay. And I'll I'll start to follow, but I'm slowly like like step by step increasing my pace because it's like each step I take I'm thinking more and more about skiing. I'm looking at the ground, looking at the blood drops. Seeing if there's any more prints anywhere as we're heading back up to the weather station. Yeah, you, you aren't seeing any. But yeah, you, you go through, you take the short trek up the gravel road, such as it is, to the main parking lot <clears throat> where the NOAA SUVs are. But now there is another vehicle there. In addition to your Jeep, Jason, there is that big old black SUV with the handicap plates on it. That uh, belongs to Al Nizoni and his FBI agents. Um, oh, I'm gonna call out for him actually. Al, Agent Mazzoni. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, try the door. See if it, uh, the SUV is open. Yeah, Al's not a person to lock his, you know, car door when he gets out of it, so it's unlocked. Al, you know, kind of look around inside. Also, call out Susie, Frank. 
It's Jason! Carl, you get inside. Alex, I'm just going to kind of look around. Is there anybody in there? No, there's no one inside the SUV. How about guns? I I fear you won't want to pay the price for there to be a gun inside of the... Okay. <laughs> given that you only have the one survival point. I will remind everyone listening at this point and remind our players that uh, you do not die when you are reduced to zero survival points in Dead of Night. But if you are called upon to spend another survival point after uh, you are reduced to zero, then you do die. But yeah, there can be a weapon inside left behind if you wish to spend a survival point. Carl. Uh, Sorry, I thought maybe there'd be some guns in there, but it looks like they've uh, got them with them. (laughs) Well, they're not answering, so maybe they found the shaft that we found. One way to find out. There still are those about 30 steps or so that go up to the cleared area around the cinder block building that is the weather station itself. Okay. So you guys head up? Yeah. Sure. And every once in a while, I'll still call out either Owl, Frank, or Susie at random. Okay. You get up there, and just as you do, uh, you see the door of the weather station open, and... Owl and Susie and Frank all step out, breath immediately frosting in the night air, in the um, shining light of the fluorescents that illuminate the front door area of the weather station. And you see that Owl is holding something gingerly, like on a towel in his hand, and He's saying something, and and what you hear, even as you call out to him again, and they start to look up, is, why would someone chop this poor person's head off? And you see that the head is that of Skeen. No! 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 (laughs) Jason has, like, this total um, Planet of the Apes scene, the the old one. Where he just falls down on his knees and just screams at the sky. <laughs> That's how I feel right now in real life. <laughs> you blew it up. You blew the whole damn thing up. And we will cut away from that scene. <laughs> oh, man. To the Kane Manor house where Gigi and Allison are, have come once more into confrontation with whatever it is that William Kitteridge has become. And he has just said, The book that my father wrote okay. when he saw the very form of God. And then the very form of God was Allison. So, okay, not oh, what do you and Allison do, Gigi? Had we... I didn't uh, write this, but did we start to run again? I thought we had, because we stopped to get the book out from under Candace. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what had happened was you had an encounter with William Kitteridge. You ran around, ran around, found yourself right. in the library again, grabbed the book from underneath Candace, who is beginning to re- regain consciousness, but grabbed the book and then he catches up. William Kitteridge catches up with you again and then right. says that. The, yeah. And so... Yeah, but you feel from here, you know the way out of the house. But that said, you know, I mean, you have also seen this shadowy tentacle stuff, you know, outside of the manor house. It's There's no guarantee of safety outside. Well, I still don't want to be around freaking William freaking Kitteridge. You don't want to just throw yourself into the shadow form of William. Yeah, Kittery. that sounds great. Let's just do that. That's wonderful. Um, no, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Um, I wanted to like. I know it's not going to slow him down very much, but like, shove Allison out the door, slam the door in his face. And <laughs> I thought you were going to say shove Allison at him and then shove run. Allison at him. <laughs> <laughs> and then kill, you roll a thirteen as well. <laughs> kill my other favorite. We NPC. already lost one NPC. We don't need to lose another. <laughs> They're dropping like flies. I really like skiing, too. Thanks, guys. Hey, listen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that's what I want to do. I want to run again. I feel like if I can get back to the car and get back to town, I might have a chance of uh, 
keeping us both safe. You push Allison out the door and then follow quickly, uh, pulling the door closed behind you. Go ahead and roll escape, and we'll see how this goes. Okay. Come on, dice. Not a 13. That's all I ask of you. You are going against his pursue, so... Well, it's not a 13, but it's not awesome either. (laughs) It's a total of 10 with my modifier. (laughs) Would you like to spend a survival point to re-roll? Sure, I feel like this is a climactic enough moment. Mark that. It's a 14 total. Yes. So, not Not great. (laughs) quite good enough, uh, but the... Tension points will go up because you just spent a survival point. That's not helping. I know, you said but as if it's like, oh, but there's this silver lining. Guess what? The tension points go up. Ooh. Yes, there is a bit of silver lining because you don't quite get the door closed. You like slam it shut behind you, but you slam it so hard that it just bounces back open. I hate that. I hate it when that happens. Ruins a good flounce. And so you see Kitteridge's shadow form, this this great roiling mass that is him, but also inside of that, the even darker, you know, almost slender man form of Kitteridge um, there in the heart of this storm of shadowy tentacle mass stuff. And it all just swoops down on Candace Kane. And you hear Kitteridge say, You wanted power, Candy. Well, let's give you some. And then you hear this terrible slurping sound as you presumably turn and run like crazy. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, we do. Does it have to be slurping? Can it be like this, this like awesome, like crunching like Doritos? No, like the wind, like (laughs) sucked into a singular point in time. I'm just imagining uh, Starship Troopers, you know, just a little appendage comes out and sucks the brains out. Om nom nom. It sounds like this. Gross. Okay. Can we get out of the building? Does that give us enough of a enough of a distraction? Um well uh, you did, in fact, get away from the library, but and you follow the route that you believe is the way out of the house. God damn But it. instead, you find yourself on the third floor. No! Um, looking out uh, the back windows of the house at the lighthouse, where the light is swinging around ever so slowly. Whoosh. <laughs> I suddenly have like a weird suspicion that I don't want to be caught in the beam of the lighthouse for some reason. I'm going to like duck out of the way of the windows. And it it does seem to light up the room that you're in, which uh, is some sort of um, weird sewing parlor. Don't prick your finger. There's an old fashioned sewing machine with the pump uh, foot pedal. I don't know. Sleeping for a hundred years might be a, a better alternative to this. Hmm. Um. What do we do? I, I thought I knew the way out. I says Allison. We just walked in here. We just walked in by that route we took. <sighs> Allison, I'm sorry, but I hate your house. All right, let's um, let's find um, uh, what's the word for those things? This is. Just- <laughs> I'm a terrible person to play Gigi, because um, I can't remember now. It's a fire escape. Let's find a fire escape. William Kitteridge and his shadowy form no! flows into the room. But as the wheeling of the light comes around, Kitteridge cocks his head to one side. He seems to be made of shadows, but the light itself, when it washes across him, doesn't seem to penetrate those shadows. It almost seems to make them inkier and more. Um, solidified, and he flows over to the window and like puts his hands up against the pane and just sort of stares at the lighthouse. To get out of the house is going to cost you a survival point. <sighs> oh, jeezy crazy! Just to get out of the house, like totally get out of the house. Not just out of this room. Out of the house. Out of the house completely. 
out of the house completely <laughs> as you as you do this deal with the devil. <laughs> and you'll end up in the snow with blood on your hands. <laughs> that would be the worst. I feel like Whoosh. I wanted to play Gigi as a very like, you know, doesn't really like anybody. But as soon as you introduced Allison, I was like, if anyone touches this NPC, I'll kill everyone in this room and then myself, you know. <laughs> uh, all right. I'm doing it. I put you at zero, right? Mm-hmm. All right. As the light illuminates the room again, you realize that you know the way out, that you have now run through most of the house, and you realize what had happened, the distractions that came at any given point that made you veer to the left when you should have veered to the right. You have your route, and you run through the house, pulling Allison by the hand, downstairs, upstairs, down a... A hallway that appears to slope upward, but in fact takes you to the first floor and out the front doors. And there you see, sitting in front of you. <laughs> How did you get here? You bring an Uber? No. Um, I don't actually know. I don't. I don't. I don't know if that was specified. Um, oh yeah, we didn't ever you specify how you got out here. <laughs> uh, the other party has uh, Jason's. Um, jeep maybe we have oh you know what i have a rental i have a rental on the island oh, that's right we can have come in that so um and there is your rental gg <sighs> all right sprint straight to the car i'm fumbling the keys out of my pocket i'm like get in get in immediately and um oh oh you wanted the keys to still be in your pocket too <laughs> you, you didn't want those to have fallen out during the the chase through the house what do you think patrick <laughs> for a brief terrifying moment you don't feel the keys in your pocket but then you dig deeper and you realize that you got those new four women's jeans that have pockets and they're really deep and they're a lot deeper than what you expected them to be whoa whoa whoa, whoa. why, why are... do they need pockets in their jeans what's the world coming to you're not here carl <laughs> equal Probably pockets my... for all equal, equal pockets, pockets for all <laughs> Probably the. Uh... The rental's probably also one of those ones with like, or no, this is a, a few years, this takes place a few years ago, probably does. I was going to say, it's probably one of those ones where like, uh, it's a push button start. And so you're like, where's my keys? And it's just like the one fob. <laughs> so it doesn't feel like keys. Yes. And then you pull it out and you're in the car and you're Throw driving away. Throw ourselves into the car. Yes. And we're driving away. Let's uh, go back up the mountain then for a bit. Carl, uh, Jason has fallen to his knees right next to you and is just yelling no at the sky. Having a Heston moment. Damn you! Damn you, you dirty eyeballs! <laughs> <laughs> well, Carl's, I mean, he's taken aback and he's standing there, but he hasn't quite fallen down. Unfortunately, he's seen quite a few young people lose their life too early. Uh, but he does take a, a, a big, deep sigh. Um, and he finally looks up at the, the FBI crew and says, what, what, what happened? You know what happened? Owl looks at the head on the towel in his hands and looks at, uh, you too and sees the blood on Jason's hand and says, I think perhaps uh, you all could tell me more what happened than I can tell you. Uh, Jason would look up in rage at that point. Um, Jason's pissed. He wants to really know what happened and kind of gets this look on him that really just shows that he is not happy about the situation. And if they dare doubt it, then go ahead and challenge because at this point... Jason's got nothing to lose. He gingerly walks up and takes the head in the towel. Um, if the eyes are open, he would close the eyes, lay the head down. Skeen stares at you as you do so. <laughs> lay the head down rever reverently and wrap it up in the towel and says, if you want to know what happened, follow me as I, as I start heading in back into the weather station. Roll persuade. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's good. And it's not a 13. Yay. <laughs> um, it's a nine. It's Owl's head on the towel. You town. regain consciousness, everyone's dead. <laughs> it's 18. Okay, great. Owl uh, watches all of this. He looks at the others. 
you don't really see this, um, J- uh, Jason, because yeah, I'm in like blind fury it. at this point. Blinders are on, and I'm heading in. Carl, you do see that um, Frank looks doubtful. Susie just takes a swig from her hip flask, <laughs> and an owl, you know, nods to both of them, and then they follow Jason. Uh, Carl has that moment where he stops and pauses and looks over and kind of gestures towards the hip flask and like, you know, holds his hand out a little bit like, mm. <laughs> Susie um, grimaces a little bit and hands it over. Oh, you didn't even have to roll a persuade. She handed it over. <laughs> she likes you, Carl. <laughs> Take a little hit, hand it back, nod and thanks. And uh, so you two are the last ones to go in and, and she turns to you, Carl, and says, so what happened in there? I mean, we know about, we knew about the, the agents or whoever they are that uh, were manning the station. We knew about their deaths. We, we left them in, in situ so that we could uh, examine them here this evening, which is why we came up. But um, um, wh- wh- what happened with your friend? I don't know, but I fear we found something, something old and something powerful. Hmm. She takes another swig. And you both go in. The inside uh, is lit now. The agents have turned lights on inside. Uh, So the scene is a terrible one, but perhaps not as bad as seeing it in the dark. Uh, In the bright light of the fluorescence, the uh, dead figures almost seem to take on a bit of unreality. Uh, there is a, a great splash of blood, however, right by the elevator door, and you can surmise correctly that that is where they found the head, because the blood sp- is kind of smeared where Owl picked up the head in a towel. Okay. Uh, as I'm leaning over to grab the partial body with the head that we used before, I'm going to look back at the agents and be like, anybody know anything about computers or electronics as I motion over to the other room. Hopefully the door's still open. I think we left it open. Hmm, says Frank. Other than that, we're using dead bodies to get down this elevator shaft. Um, huh. Interesting, says Owl. And you say elevator shaft. All right. And uh, no, the the door is uh, closed, but not locked. So he opens it and says, uh, is, uh, is that the trigger? As the light kind of shines across him, scanning him up and down. Yeah, the last time we got down, I used this body. I've still got a, I've still got a hand, like clutching like the the collar of this like half body. Al <laughs> <laughs> holds his own hand up uh, to stop you, and he uh, looks over the system, and he uh, he nods to Frank. And uh, Frank takes a look at it. And then, yeah, so Frank goes in there for a few moments. And then there's a whir and a click as the light in the elevator room goes off. And the whole room loosens like it did before. Okay. At that point, I would... Uh, okay. Uh, can you get us back up? Mm-hmm. Says Frank. <laughs> All right. I'll let go of the half body that I was gingerly holding. Well, okay, I was aggressively holding by the collar, <laughs> um, and just kind of. You're, you're doing it. a great job of convincing them that you're not involved in any of this. <laughs> <laughs> just kind of let it slump to the ground again, kind of like I did before, like shaking off the heebie-jeebies and maybe wipe my hand off on my like jeans, and then step into the elevator. It's like, you ready to see crazy? Uh, yeah, what kind of crazy we're going to see, as uh, Al says as he steps inside. He's followed by Susie faster than Frank, but then Frank follows. Uh, Frank has taken out a um, s- set of screwdrivers and such, which he apparently had in the other room, and uh, he undoes a plate on the wall in the elevator that uh, you hadn't seen before. It looks just like a seam of the wall, of the metal wall of this uh, elevator shaft. And he um, he pulls it open, and there's wiring and stuff behind it. And um, he just slices through all of it, and then starts making connections until you all start to go down. Carl, are you getting in the elevator as well? Oh, absolutely. Okay. I'm actually going to look. Um, I, since I didn't find any guns, I'm going to look and see if they uh, 
They look like they're well armed. They always at least have a service pistol on their side. Uh, they don't appear to have a service pistol on their side, but they might be in shoulder holsters. Okay. Uh, the cut of the suits are such that they probably conceal weaponry, but they're not they're not toting things like shotguns and stuff like that. I'm going to wait until like everybody's in um, and we start moving before I reply. Okay. And at that point, I would be like, okay, you familiar with D&D? and uh al goes uh yeah i have a weekly game i'm not surprised (laughs) at all awesome (laughs) yeah you kind of come off as a bear owl yeah you do (laughs) uh yes thanks i mean i chose the name myself no i totally digress from that that was (laughs) not um uh the best i can say is we're going to face maybe just old Carl, maybe a demon, maybe a beholder. So be ready for anything. If you've got weaponry, I suggest getting it ready. At weaponry, you know, both uh, Frank and Susie already have uh, their service revolvers out. Well, I say service revolvers because you said service revolvers. Dang it, Carl, who's channeling (laughs) young Carl. (laughs) They have their Da, 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 pausing for a moment. Um, probably nine mils, most. Uh, hey Patrick, it's not the musical episode, so. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Uh, they pull out their Glock 19Ms. This is totally something Carl has not That's seen before. Completely different than the other gun I was picturing. They are nine millimeters. Yeah, but uh, I mean, old Carl. You know, he's seen more modern weaponry, but. I don't figure him for much of a pistol buff. <laughs> I'm not sure that Jason is quite, you know, grokked the uh, young Carl, old Carl thing. Uh, yeah, I'm still separating <laughs> the old Carl and the young Carl. Because I, yeah, I mean, we didn't really Carl's get into still it. separating that. Yeah. Okay. So Jason totally still doesn't understand that you're remembering old Carl stuff. As the elevator starts to slow down and we near the cave, Jason says, okay, um, there's going to be a big cave, and who knows what we'll find. Big eyes open as ding, the elevator goes, and the doors start to slide open, and you see Jason's head slowly turn out toward the cavern. And as that happens, Owl asks his question, which is, and what do you believe we'll encounter down here that um, is strong enough to have twisted your friend's head off of their body? At which point... There is no ding for this particular elevator, but the doors do open, and what is in the cavern beyond is revealed. While down the mountain, and in fact, um, sometime before all of this is happening, uh, Gigi and Allison are peeling down the northern um, island road uh, back toward the lodge and toward town itself. And Allison is like, what? I don't, I don't understand. What, what is happening? I don't either. <sighs> Was that William? Uh-huh. Really? And what happened to um, the woman? Um, um, you know, on holidays when they used to buy us Fruit Loops and it was the only time that they would have cereal in the house. And, um, <laughs> do you remember... I'm, like, speeding down the road as I'm, like, giggling. Do you remember how William used to slurp the milk afterwards? That's what that reminded me of. Uh, And, um, I'm never going to unhear that. That, that, (laughs) that's, um, uh, pull over, pull over, pull over, and... Everything is terrible. (laughs) And even before you get pulled over to the side of the road, Allison is, like, throwing the door open and leaning out and, and throwing up. Ironically, I think I've made you've made this car smell better. I need a drink. Where? Of course, Gigi needs a drink. <laughs> I obviously need a drink. Um, I hadn't really thought about it. The lodge, I suppose, or the police station. I have no idea what they would do with that. That there's only the one gentleman at the police <laughs> at the police station. I use the word gentleman uh, lightly here, and uh, we know how effective he is. So let's just go to the lodge, and we'll just stay there, and we'll just. We'll just pack our things and we'll just leave. We'll just leave the island and, um, you know, we can... 
I don't know, send in a arsonist to burn the place down and collect on the insurance money. Whatever you want to do with the house. Except return to it. Uh, okay, uh, yeah. Um, wait, the turn's here, the turn's here. <laughs> Screech around the corner. <laughs> and I think we just, like, sit in the parking lot of the lodge for, like, oh, like a really long time and just, like, <laughs> not even want to get out of the car. Breathing deeply. Yeah. <sighs> Do you eventually? I think first I would turn to look... <clears throat> I don't know if I said this out loud, but I was thinking it of uh, having thrown the book like in the footwell behind the driver's seat and I would just like slowly turn to make sure it's not like grown teeth and it's going to eat my face or anything. It has not grown teeth. It does not appear to want to currently eat your face. <laughs> but don't write off that as a possibility. <laughs> don't roll a 13. <laughs> well, I mean, are you going to open it? Um, Not right now. I am going to pick it up and take it into the lodge with us. Okay. Because I weirdly don't want to let it out of my sight now. As you get out of the car and uh, Allison gets out on her side and, and she like dry heaves once more. Um, but then you head up the, the steps to the brightly lit uh, golden glow of the uh, front entrance area of the Spirit Bay Lodge. And you go inside and uh, it's not the usual person behind the desk uh, that night concierge that you've gotten used to. It is actually a woman that you have seen in the distance and was pointed out to you as being the proprietor of the lodge. Mm. Her name is uh, Sun Young Lam, or Sunny, mm -hmm. and uh, she is behind the counter and looks up as you come in and goes, Ah, um, Ms. I've forgotten your last name. Marin, that's fine. Um... Ah, yes, Ms. Marin. We find ourselves in the unusual position of needing to uh, re-check in our uh, other housing um, accommodation on the island just uh, fell through, unfortunately. Yes. Um, well, there might be a bit of a problem with that. Oh? And she looks at you and goes, You see, uh, when we tried to kill you in the forest and you escaped from us, the children of Gaia were all taken by the thing that calls itself William Kitteridge. And it, uh, her eyes turn black, and then other figures begin to step out of various rooms and places in the bar and the front foyer area of the Spirit Bay Lodge. All right. Back up. Back up inside of Fog Mountain. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> the door of the elevator opens, and um, what you see... Immediately, Jason, is the body of Skeen Marcotte. Headless, a lot of blood around it, and the neck terribly twisted. And yes, there you go. That's it, actually it here. There is that strange formation on the wall here, and the tunnels continue out just like they did before. Okay. Uh, you know the one that goes back the direction of whatever it was that you saw. You can almost visibly see that rage boiling up again inside of of Jason, uh, and and he's almost shaking. His brow drops down. He glances back at everybody else and is like, "I want to know what happened," and starts heading towards that same uh, path that he took before down through the odd opening um, in the formations. You have been doing quite good here at uh, diving into danger uh, heedlessly, and e especially because you have no survival point. So I will give you a survival point for all of this. Okay. Now, just out of curiosity, what if I went for... I don't know if I'd want to call it a bad habit at this point or another specialization to spend some survival points on. How many do you have? I thought you were at, like, one or zero. I was at two, so now I'm at oh, three. I'm at zero. Um, but it also could be a bad habit just flying off into a rage like this. Um, so I'm I'm kind of wondering if I should Did you actually... have a bad habit before? I did not. I'll let you claim a bad habit, sure. Okay. Blinded rage, we'll call it. 
I'm not going to give you another survival point at this point. But, yeah, no problem. Uh, I just gave you one. But now but, I can uh, kind of play off of it. And that that's just a freebie. That's not going to cost you any survival points. But okay. if you wanted a specialization, do feel free to spend two survival points for a specialization. Could a specialization play also into my bad habits? <laughs> Probably, possibly. Okay. If I oh. were boxing while I were drinking. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't feel a thing. <laughs> I'll, I'll hold off on the specialization now and just kind of use that as a bad habit um, and see where it goes from there. And if I need to work on a specialization, just kind of depends on how good I do with my rage. Um, so, yeah, just blindly heading off and yelling at everybody else without looking back. Be ready for anything. Carl? Carl's definitely more calm. Uh, and he, he at this point, he's a little worried about his companion who he, he's seen this before. This this unavoidable rage this this need for revenge and resolve and he, he knows it typically doesn't end well he's kind of trying to stay close to him but uh, there's a certain point he he just kind of stops and says not really stops walking but you know gets quiet for a moment and he says out loud to everybody when we get there try not to look at it what is it we're not supposed to look at says owl as you're moving along fairly quickly Frank is actually moving the fastest, uh, almost almost keeping up with uh, Jason, but not quite. You'll know what it is when you see it. And uh, Susie is uh, visibly shaken by all of this. She has out a flashlight uh, now, as well as the the gun, and is you know holding it right along beside the barrel, just like in good FBI fashion. Right hand over the top of the gun with the flashlight, just following the line. <laughs> nice. Frank has um, a gun and flashlight out as well, but uh, he has one in each hand, and he's just sort of, you know, running to keep up with uh, Jason. And Owl has his gun out, but it's loose at his side, and he is uh, counting on the other people's lights to show the way. And you break into that section that you had done so before, and there is the the hatch. Carl's going to kind of hang back and see if everybody else goes in first. And watch it. I'm going to watch them and try to not look at it. Closed, but that big uh, valve on the front of it has not been spun. The, the door is closed, but as if somebody had pushed it closed and it hadn't, hadn't quite latched. Or pushed it too hard and it bounced back open. <laughs> you know, I hate it when happens. that happens. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> Somewhere someone says, as above, so below. <laughs> <laughs> this giant eldritch entity is like, man, I just slammed my door too hard. Exactly. In subtitles, I slammed my door too hard. But Jason, yeah, you're you're in there, and I'm like, I'm like on the verge of pushing open the door as everybody starts to catch up, and just a slight moment coming out of my rage, looking back to check on everyone to see that everybody's caught up. Okay. And everybody does. Carl is hanging back in the back. I don't even know what to say at this point. I would love to have some groovy catchphrase or something, but... Here's Johnny! (laughs) (laughs) Some things you have to see to believe. And I start to push open the door. So you open the door, and you almost think that you're going to open it, and it's just going to be stone behind it. Or... There's just going to be a a tunnel, perhaps. Anything but some impossible eye uh, there behind this great valved metal hatch. But you swing it open, and there it is again, rolling and wet, twitching back and forth um, in small jerky motions. And once more, there is that wash of impossible memories and someone screams and you think it might be frank and once more i need um you're the closest there no you just rolled so we'll let um, carl do this first now carl you're trying to avoid looking at it but in a way it's not a matter of looking at it or not it's the presence of it unprotected by stone or steel and so i'm going to give you a little bit of a bonus here but uh, all right and what was it we rolled again last time was it uh oh uh, i believe you're trying to roll persuade escape 
Oh, escape. There's escape. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to persuade this giant eldritch entity not to mind blast me. You could do protect, perhaps. Uh, but Oh, that would kind of make a little sense if that's a better stat. He's trying yeah. to, like, he's stealing his mind. He's dealt with it before, so he's trying to, like, be cautious and, like, focus on his thoughts. Uh, those would actually be the same for me, so it really doesn't matter. But I, just for sake of saying, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do protect. Because uh, his whole ma- mindset there and the not looking uh, and trying to steal his resolve is he's protecting himself mentally. He's not trying to get away from it. Okay. He's trying to be ready. Okay, great. So that gives me a 19. Jolly good. 13 on the die, by the way. So. Oh, oh, no! Oh, no! Yeah. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 13 on the die. Oh, no! Oh, my God! Yeah. Got a, got a nine and a four sitting right there, so here we go. Damn it. <laughs> Isn't that the exact, I mean, it was a 13 and it a 19. It was literally, it, for, was, the, uh, it yep. was the exact same yeah. roll. That I had, yeah. Yep. To escape from the eyeball. All right, well, let's see how the rest of this plays out. Uh, what's your, um, what are you going to go with there, Jason? Protect or uh, escape? I'm going to try to escape the flooding of memories by, like, grabbing onto some piece of reality. So I'm going to go with that. <sighs> Oh, okay. That's beautiful. Um, that's doubles. That's two eights. Uh, plus my six. So 24. 24 is a success. So that is a survival point as well. <laughs> because of my yeah, doubles. Yeah, but which NPC is he going to murder next? <laughs> Hopefully my awesome roll counteracts that. <laughs> it's going to murder your awesome roll. I know, right? So you hear screaming and this, like, creates a a bit of a buffer for you almost, um, Jason, uh, because you remember the screaming before when you um, twisted Skeen's head off <gasps> in order to use uh, their eyes to power the the elevator, uh, knowing somehow instinctively that, yeah, it would recognize the agent's eyes up above, but here in the presence of this thing, it would also recognize the eyes of the dead. And you remember that, but you also are now being flooded with these memories that are inhuman and unreal. Okay, because I'm still processing. I killed Skeen? No! I mean, I figured, but like, no! (sighs) Jason's gonna need so much therapy after this. I mean, we all are, but... Jesus. Oh, man. We don't know that. Only you do. That's true. That's that's rough. And at about the same time, Carl, you see Frank fall to the ground. And he clutches his head, and he just claws at his own eyes. And he, in fact, gets his fingers into his eye ah! sockets and mm. pulls his own head apart, trying to get away from these thoughts that are inundating him. While Susie has just like collapsed to the floor and is just sobbing and is a, like lifts her gun up toward her head. You two are, are getting these images uh, the same as Jason, though you don't know it. A black lightning laced stormy sky, a figure larger than the world, yet also contained by it falling from the heavens. A mighty heaving of the earth as the figure collides with what is now the Salish Sea. You see shamans chanting in a cave that isn't this one. Uh, You see strange forms and figures appearing on the landscape. And you both also just sort of peripherally and without really seeing it because... There's all this other stuff, you know, battering against you, too. But uh, you see Owl begin to not freak out, but he starts ripping his jacket off um, at the same time as that gun in Susie's hand comes up higher. But Owl is ripping his his jacket off, and then he's ripping his um, shirt off underneath it. And he is covered in tattoos. Oh, dear. And he begins... Tracing the ones on his left arm, and there is a sound that whispers through the 
um, cave doesn't uh, whispers isn't quite the right term it it's more of a a sharp sound carl you in your memories you heard the those sounds that are associated with the magic of the books of the cane library this is not it this is not that this is something else and as that as this ringing echoes through the space here you hear owl very clearly say and it seems like the most important thing in the world to hear run get out now seems pertinent (laughs) i was like thinking like silent concussion the whole time patrick i was like it was the silent concussion that just reverberated throughout the cave system the shudder of dust and rocks susie drops the gun and like scrambles to her feet and runs what do you two do you feel like you could actually with you know you have control of yourselves and there for a moment it it almost felt like you didn't yes carl's 13 has resulted in a terrible price but that was (laughs) balanced somewhat by a uh a doubles roll so what are you gonna do with it oh are you asking carl or jason yes uh (laughs) carl go ahead you go first so you you described that sound that I'm that we're hearing the owls making. It's different, but Carl remembers the, a sound from, uh, you know, his brother making the the noise uh, associated with the book. For lack of a better phrase, it's like there's a, a a specific style associated with the music, an intonation, this magic in, in, yeah intonates a chant. So Carl's going to kind of stop and close his eyes for a moment, not to avoid the eye, but to try to remember what that sound is, not the not what Owl's making, but the, the the magic of the Kane legacy. It it is a sound. It is the sound that those memories make. Do I feel like I could make those sounds? Mm, only with um, only if you were using like the incantations from the book. Right. I, I feel like I don't know enough of the incantations to be able to make those. Right. Yeah. And I'm not entirely certain Carl can do any good here. That's the. I can't hold this for long. Run. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll, I'll leave. Okay, so Carl turns and runs, or at least saunters. Yeah, I don't know if it's like a dead run, but it, it's a pretty quick hustle. It's a. I remember being old for a long time. Oh wait, I'm not old anymore. <laughs> kind of run. <laughs> well, yeah, and he's a little conflicted. He doesn't like the idea of leaving, but he, he realizes that. Uh, he doesn't have a good plan, so sticking around can't end well. Susie has hit a uh, a wall in front of you, uh, the side of the wall in front of you, Carl, and is uh, kind of just pulling, pushing herself alongside of it, uh, trying to escape the the rush of things. I'll try to grab her, like, um, you know, kind of interlock her arm a little bit under the shoulder and see if I can't help kind of steady and stabilize her a little bit. Not really necessarily carrying her, but, you know, kind of a come with me kind of maneuver jason okay i'm hoping this can kind of happen at the same time as carl's making his escape i i want to see if i understand that this is a separate entity a being that somehow i can communicate with on a mental level um and and try to understand whether it's what its intentions are if it seems like it's an evil entity or just trying to protect itself okay roll Identify. Persuade. <laughs> Actually, what can I do to persuade my way into that? <laughs> you can roll identify. <laughs> Shit. Well, in that case, I'm going to spend a survival point <laughs> to switch my stats. Okay. Identify is my worse. <laughs> okay. Uh. Oh, yay. Okay. Uh. Twenty-three. Nice. Okay, 23 is good. 23 is good. Yeah, you for a moment, for a moment, you can connect to this uh, as you hear that ringing concussive sound fading, though. uh, It's becoming more of a torrent as if a waterfall of existence is about to bash down on you and and drive you to incredible states of madness. But in that moment, You don't get good or evil or even intentions of harm or protection, but rather just an alienness that 
is just so profound and so almost unfathomable. Yet you also understand that what's happening here, those the twitching of that eye, it's not seeing you. It's dreaming. Oh. Okay. Um, as soon as I get that sense, I almost want to protect it because I did see the ugliness that I did and it was all madness that was caused by this eye in the first place. Um, and I do the best I can. Frank's gone, right? Uh, Frank is, Frank is, um, gooey. Okay. Um, as best I can to grab Owl. And thanks, Richard. I liked Frank. Uh, (laughs) yeah. Frank was a fun character because it was really quiet and he had a lot of knowledge. Um, I mean, you know what? Forget that guy. That Frank guy, he was fun. All Franks are shitheads. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that guy. That's why we're talking about you, Frank. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Wipe yourself up. Take some Ecedrin. We've all had a splitting headache from time to time. And Owl seems perfectly capable of running. He's just waiting on you to do it first. All good. No, because I'm still kind of, I still kind of understand what's going on around me. And because I have a slight bit more um, enlightenment on into the supernatural entities that are trying to invade the world i as i turn and look and see that everybody else is pretty much gone as best way they can i start to run like almost as in slow motion and on my way i grab like owl by the by the coattail and just kind of try and drag him with me as i start hustling down the hall <laughs> oh he's 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 completely shirtless and coatless so i slowly just turn and grab owl uh by the arm as best i can you do but it burns oh when you touch him it burns and you see that where he is tracing on his left arm there's like lines of of fire following the uh, the places where he's running his fingers along his tattoos. I feel that, but in this intense moment, I, that, that makes me clench on even harder around his wrist and just okay. drag him along with me. Uh, when you do that, it breaks his protections here, and, and it's just a, a wave of this horror and alienness follows you out as you run. Back down in the Spirit Bay Lodge, what do you do, Gigi? Yes, uh... Actually, I mean, I do want to to run, but I'm very, like, honestly kind of frustrated at this point. Like, I've just dealt with, like, the scariest shit I've ever seen in my life. And I'm like, I don't know what, as I'm backing out of the building, I don't know what beef you have with us. And I frankly don't care. If you're interested in revenge, William Kittredge is up at the, up at the, up at the Cane Manor right now, and you can go take it up with him. But we are leaving, and uh, I'm going to turn and push Allison back out to the uh, to the car. Roll escape. Okay, dice. Come on. Don't no roll whammies, 13. Money, Don't no roll whammies. 13. Don't cur- get J- Jesse. <laughs> you fucking oh, oh, no, no, no. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I swear to God. It's a nine and a four on the dice. Oh, um, so it's a 17 total to escape. This really is the night <laughs> of 13s. Are you this kidding me? This is the me? worst <laughs> We shouldn't have talked about it so much. <laughs> we jinxed ourselves. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. All right. Did you move the tension already, Patrick, for that? Uh, I did not, know. It's going to be as high as it can go in a minute here. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. <laughs> oh, God. No. I'm with Alice. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm so upset. <laughs> and as you're backing out, saying your pithy statements... Allison says, no more. There's no more. No more. No more am I going to take this. No, no fucking more. And she just hauls off and punches Sonny in the face. And Sonny spins around. (laughs) But uh, the others that are are coming into the room, several of them grab Allison. And and she's just yelling and fighting. And she's being pulled backwards. Um, no, toward the no, bar. No, toward the bar, and we'll have to find out what happens. <laughs> no, no, I go next after time her. No, no, this is unacceptable. The Gothic <laughs> no. Podcast. No. <laughs> the Gothic Podcast is an actual play audio drama produced by C. Patrick Nagel. 
starring C. Patrick Nagel, Sharon Gallery Lafournaise, Jesse Baldwin, and Richard Southard. Theme music is by Zoe Hovland, with cover artwork by Jared George Art. Season 2 of the Gothic Podcast uses rules from the Monster of the Week RPG by Michael Sands and the Dead of Night RPG by Steam Power Publishing. Look us up by name on all the social medias or email us at thegothicpodcast at gmail.com. Support for the Gothic Podcast comes from you, our listeners, so please rate, review, and share, and check out our Patreon page, too. Thanks! Once more for for posterity. Damn you, Patrick. <gasps> Damn you, Patrick. <laughs> no. I'm glad it's over. No more 13s. I, I mean, good lord. Oh, wow. this whole building. I'm going to punch every one of these people in the face <laughs> repeatedly. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> there was so much punching. Ugh, well, there's fucking going to be. <laughs> You may hit stop on your recording. Are you now. sure you want us to do that? No, I'm unex- this is unacceptable. No, let's keep playing. <laughs> <laughs> all right, stopping recording. All right, all right. Ugh.